0: Bought a
1: ketchup
0: time. Gonna talk some movies. Oh, what's that? Oh Here's the thing, I, just, I, I, I do I do this line and I just I get this idea in my head for a film and I just I I can't stop writing once I start writing. We bought time. cast. It's time Oh me go fuck myself, you go fuck yourself!
2: uh mike hello Hi. welcome to the show how's it going it's good it's good Things um, are good thanks for checking in
1: florida is hot hot with the summertime but not hot with any sort of other viral sensation
0: no no fevers going around or anything we're having a great time never felt better I mean, thankfully, Trump uh, said that he's going to slow down testing so that these everybody can calm down. I said that in literally like the loudest thunder crash down. I think that we are (laughs) making the universe mad. I'm even joking. It is a very
2: funny concept because it's exactly what – they've done with unemployment for years especially in Florida is if they make it harder to qualify for unemployment that means no one's unemployed
0: right (laughs) it's the exact same tactic it's like well I mean it's like the idea of like whenever your parents say to like clean your room and you just like throw it under your bed and you're like well it's on the floor so the room's clean it's also a lot that I've been thinking about watching Avatar the Last Airbender
1: and when you get Mm. to Ba Sing Se and Mm -hmm. it's like there is no fire nation war
0: (laughs) it doesn't exist oh yeah (laughs) That'll be coming out later, podcast. Don't you worry about that. I am earnest. I am um, uh, socially anxious and disconnected from the rest of the world, Hunter. I'm Drew. <laughs> and we are here
1: because we have bought a mic and we have some thoughts on some things. So we're going to hit you with some quick catch up. Mm. Um, and then are we are we doing... Are we doing Punch Drunk this episode, or are we
2: doing yeah. a different podcast? I
0: don't know. Well I, well, I mean, I was that kind of throws off everything that I was just saying at the top. Yeah, because we don't uh, have that much. We, we got to
2: do some Punchy Drunk. Here. Yeah. Okay. And also, we do. We want to do the voicemail from Bry. Let's do it. So Brian Adams, our great donor supporter, left us a message. <sighs> our yeah. Uh, our, our our patron in the old term not not in like the patreon term like the yeah. old school like like an artist would just have a patron who would just like like literally pay their fucking rent mm-hmm.
1: he is uh, mm-hmm. he's like the um um what's the renaissance i was about to say machiavelli is that right no that machiavelli no the You're- guy who like funded all the renaissance artists um i want to say no but uh i this is a pop culture i think podcast. you're thinking of henry the eighth no 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 maybe it was was it dante i don't know uh, correct is me Inferno? history 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 buffs so brian adams left us a voicemail anchor.fm slash we bought a mic and uh, we're gonna listen to it right now so let's hear what he has to say
2: It's Brian. Uh, what? Just calling to... I'm not calling. I'm um, uh, a little baked in voice messaging. Look, the sitch. I'm still on the boat with my guys because I realized walking the dog yesterday, so I replaced my debit card like a month or two ago <laughs> and I forgot to auto or update these oh, donations or subscriptions. Okay. My guys. Uh, Thank who, God. Netflix. Um, My bills and utilities. I got those, but I forgot about (laughs) Anchor and all this other shit. So just, yeah, guys, we're in this. Still on the boat with my guys. Um, (laughs) I love the content. Seriously. Ten bucks a month. Get some White Claws. Come on.
0: (laughs) Wow. Man, so a couple of thoughts. One, I am a little bit upset that you are more willing to, like, live in electricity than not pay us. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate – the, the very honest voice message, Brian, I, uh, we love you yeah, here. What a you are part of fella. the We Bought a Mic
1: family. Yes. Yes. We're counting down the days. Um, well, our 200th episode spectacular is coming up. So you might hear a sneak, uh, appearance by certain steam donors. Um, so thank you for your message, Brian. And thank you for your donation, 10
2: bucks a month. Yeah gives and you full range. Uh, We were really scared. We thought that we were going to lose everything. We were going to lose the shirts off of our goddamn back.
0: Yeah. I don't think that we mentioned it on pod, but off pod, we did talk. I was like, is it something that I said? Yeah. Why did he cancel his Is it? Yeah. Like what, what did I personally do? Like we all, yeah, we all thought it was Hunter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he did ask me like, why am I a Boston sports fan? And maybe my answer just wasn't sufficient enough. It hasn't been sufficient for my friends and family for years. So I would understand (laughs) That's well, fair. if
1: you have any uh, thoughts like Brian, you can send us a voicemail, anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. And if you want to donate, you can also do that there. It's only monthly donations on Anchor. So you can do 99 cents four ninety-nine, 99 or 9.99 a month.
2: Ten bucks. All that we ask is if you do lose uh, your debit or your credit card or if you don't get it renewed, we should be sort of near the top of the list in terms of things that you get situated. Yeah.
1: If you just want to do a one-time donation, you can also do um, a cash uh, mail in to um the we bottom mic headquarters. Uh, please make sure you sneeze ov- all over the cash. Mm-hmm. I want those COVID droplets all over it because Lord knows we don't have that already here in Florida. We need a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, and we should say that our headquarters is located in the middle of a nursery slash elderly home. So just make sure that you just send that our way. We're
2: all um, sundowning senior citizens uh, living in a upscale but sort of rundown.
0: A lot of listeners might not realize this, but we are all like what I'm 97. You're 98. Yeah, so I'm the baby. I'm 90.
2: I'm only 94. I'm a spry 98 yeah Yeah. and uh we were given these mics we don't know if they're hooked up to anything (laughs) um we just we we never got to live out our old dreams of like having like an am radio show (laughs) like a variety show like steve allen
1: (laughs) well uh speaking of radio um (coughs) jamie
2: fox or sorry cuba what are you saying (laughs) Wait a minute.
0: You want to get a fresh take of that one? Just, uh, you might have to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of uh, radio radio, (laughs) ramy is on Hulu with its second season. Let's use the first one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Still don't really know where you
1: were going with that first, that first R A D I O R A M Y, you know, first two letters, Mm ra ra. well
2: we're gonna use neither of those (laughs) okay um so rammy there that's it right there (laughs) that's what we're gonna use season two's on hulu haven't seen the whole season yet how much have you seen about half of it because i believe i know Herschel is in the cut now and that's big yeah so
1: he is a substantial part of the new series of the new season he's not like the main character you know you're still focusing on rami you're still focusing on his sister his mom his his dad his whole family yeah um show's still good show's Mm -hmm. still good i don't know if it's as good as season one Mm. um but it's
2: well i don't know if it's better It's it's definitely like around the same level, Well, the same level as which part of season one, though, because the season to me was kind of lopsided, you know? Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. It I guess I haven't seen an episode yet that has hit me as hard as the flashback episode did of when Rami was a little boy. Um, But it has its moments. There's one episode where this like army veteran wants to convert to Islam. It's like this homeless army vet and Rami sort of like stewards him. That one really hit hard. And just having Mahershala as a presence there is really good. There's another episode where they go to this like Saudi prince type figure to get a donation for the for the mosque, and that one is full of like really really great comedic moments. And I think the the thing I love the most about this show is that it has found a way to be really ridiculous with its comedy, like some crazy ass jokes, like when you're in this prince's house rami's looking around in the walls and he sees these pictures on the walls and it's the prince like hanging out with tom cruise and with barack obama and donald trump and with king john Oon. so you have like this wild weird comedy beats like that mm-hmm. and then this kind of sad story of rami trying to be a really good person and trying to come to terms with like the really shittiness that he's mm-hmm. capable of and his shitty side and you know, I don't want to spoil the end of season one. Do we get any <laughs> follow up on that? Not yet. I mean, oh. again, I haven't seen the whole season, but so far, it's only been mentioned a couple of times. Mm. So they acknowledge it, but so they, it they're... has
0: to come up. I have not seen any of season two so far. I I know it just dropped on like Friday or something like that. It, I, I think it's been too. out for like. A a week or two hasn't been yeah they haven't hulu hasn't really been pushing it as much yeah, as i man, thought that they would got, they got a um, mahershala fucking push yeah it. um but yeah i mean it's you gotta think it's gotta come up at some point a big event without spoiling it a big thing happens at the end of yeah. season one
1: but it's still it's still a very watchable show it's still funny and you know i think the biggest thing is Rami as a character is, is still very very flawed and very unlikable in many ways so, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit grating, but overall they find a good way of still keeping you engaged and entertained. Um, so that's Rami season two. Oh, I should also say, um, the mom episode this season uh was really good, you know, continuing sort of her journey and um touching on like the experience of becoming a a citizen of these United States. Um some good comedy. Again, it I I don't know if it's like a huge improvement or anything like that, but solid. The other thing I really want to talk about though is Search Party mm-hmm. on HBO Max, originally on TBS, very funny. Yeah, which I n- had never seen. I mean, I never how do you even watch a TBS show?
2: Probably like turn on TBS. Yeah, so I I watched it like cuz the season 1 came out a few years ago at this point. Yeah, cuz I um, think I
1: think season 3 is around yeah. the corner
2: i watched the better part of season one years ago like around when it was released i want to say like maybe even 2016 um really enjoyed it um the yeah. show was starring Aliyah shawcat who is someone who i think
0: is going to moving forward just s- stick around i don't you know i would have said that though like 10 years ago i'm surprised that she isn't more like in the ether especially like so many people from Arrested Development blew up off of that show. I mean, this is maybe from Arrested Development for people who don't know Aaliyah Shockat, but I I want to see more of her because she is absolutely incredible. I haven't actually checked this out. I didn't even realize whenever. HBO Max came out that this was just one of the random things yeah, that was yeah. thrown in there
2: she, she always makes cool choices with so what she shows up in though and she's she's the greatest and the show was developed by Michael Showalter
1: yeah yeah he actually has a little cameo bit part in it but I think the 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 thing that makes me appreciate the show so much is we've seen so many shows like this that are about unlikable people that do shitty things. Mm -hmm. And this show just takes it to a whole nother level. And it has this slow buildup over the entire first season of this mystery. So if you like mystery shows, it tells the story of like this girl who's gone missing and um, they're trying to find her and bring her home. That's kind of like the story of season one. And the show acknowledges the fact that you can't build an entire show off of that premise and it takes a hard fucking turn at the finale of season one. Did you get to that episode, Drew? No. Okay. This show becomes completely different when it gets to the season one finale. Good. And I have never seen anything like it. It is so satisfying. It it just... Good place-esque? Um, yeah, I
2: yeah in terms I mean, in terms of the huge turn, the, the good place twist is like God love. Me. yeah, that was one of the <laughs> yeah. best that was one of the best uh, TV moments I've ever seen. Yeah. and I'm not even the hugest fan of that show.
1: It's not quite that good, but it, it's close. So, you know, you're left with this show that has a tone that's sometimes a bit off and the acting's a little bit shaky because it is like this dark comedy
2: yeah and, and a mystery yeah you know? and it's you know tonally like you said it's about bad people it's it's sort of on towing a line similar to like high maintenance in terms of its yes. characters just really over the top uh ultra millennials yeah <laughs> uh john early who yes dude yeah john a, early. A, a, another guy who i think will be around and will always be popping up in cool shit because he makes great choices he is phenomenal in
1: this show he's, In uh, yeah, season he's two, always the best like what I powered through this show because it's only half hour episodes and it's very watchable. And, you know, I'm always looking for a show to just like put on without thinking too much into it. Like it's so important for me to have a show that's like not trash, but also like not something that I have to sit and stare at the tv intently like i i can be doing something else if i need to and this is the perfect show for that mm-hmm. you know this perfect fine line right in the middle between not being garbage but also not being like you know prestige tv that yeah. i have to watch intently yeah. uh and throughout season one the mystery is a little bit tough to follow like they don't do a great job at like making sure all the pieces are communicating correctly but that's not really why you're watching the show, if you're it, if if you want a show that's like all about the mystery, this is not it. This is about the characters. This is about showing how despicable these people are. And it's so enjoyable. And you know, like I said earlier, we've seen so many of these insufferable people shows, but the unpredictability and the
0: darkness that this story has, sets it completely apart what you're describing makes it kind of odd that it originally came out on tbs right? like how you're describing it because tbs is uh very funny very v- <laughs> very down the middle should be their other i think that somebody threw that out in the meeting and they were like that's not as catchy." they got rid funny. of very funny i don't know what they have now but very down the middle yeah they're like uh <laughs> Maybe just bad. tune in for whatever comes on in between king of queens yeah. and yeah, reruns of like, family guy
1: exactly it's syndication reruns <laughs> for the most part um so there's themes of truth and deception so it gets really dramatic in that sense it's only effective sometimes but and you know when it's not effective it does feel a little bit incongruous but again you're there for the performances i think everybody in the cast is stellar again john early is one to watch there's a couple of like side people like griffin newman of the blank
2: check oh whoa what he he has like a little two episode art it's because this is a new york filmed show Mm. correct yeah yeah Um, and he he's he's playing
1: his his part like a heavy drama (laughs) (laughs)
0: he's like i love that
1: guy griffin newman's the best friend of the pod it works so well like he he's in like a noir you know and it it just it works and then in season two you get Jay Duplass as this, like, the most pretentious director you could ever see wow. in your
2: life. He probably consulted Mark on that role.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's wearing a scarf all the time. And he's like, acting is about truth, which is why you need to call your friend and tell her how much you hate her. Nice. That kind of shit. That sucks. So, again, the twist at the the finale of season one if you can watch all the way to that point and you're not sold when it happens then you can jump off but like i said i marathon through this show i just sat on the couch fucking blew through it and when it hit i was like god damn it this fucking show i'm in when did I'm you say that
0: uh, season four comes out
1: It's three season season three. three. I think it literally comes out like this week. I think it comes out
0: like in two days. Cool. We're recording this on Wednesday. I think Friday is when it drops. Mm -hmm. I will say one other thing about Leah Shawkat, um, because we were talking about she doesn't pop up and stuff, but she does a ton of guest. She did a ton of guest stuff in like the last decade. Yeah, no, and she, she is shows in, up in everything. She's in my probably my favorite episode of Broad City, the Kochek mm-hmm. episode, in which uh, she has a romance with Alana because they're like doppelgangers yeah, of each other. It's a good one. It's it's so good. It's one of my favorite the bits in that I mean, entire show. Uh, Green
2: Room. She's incredible. Yeah, yeah,
0: Green Room. That's right. She. I mean, she fucking. Yeah, she has range. I mean, she. It's a very dramatic movie. Green yeah, Room. and she. I
2: mean, she also just has like an indie sensibility. She She's choosing these roles particularly.
0: And in this
1: show, she gets to play around with that range. The the things that happen in this show, it really stretches the bounds of what you think this story is and where it can go. I highly, highly recommend it. Search Party, HBO Max. Check it out. Before we get to our review, I just want to shout out real quick The Last of Us Part Mm 2, which dropped on ps4 uh less than a week ago people are already plowing through it and finishing it and flooding the internet with their takes i'm trying to slowly take my time with it i'm trying to savor it like a fine wine there are not many games that i will buy day one full price and this is this is one of them because just as soon as you're in
0: you can see the detail the the craftsmanship in this game It's funny, this game, I don't, I can't really remember the last time that game came out and there was this much discourse about it, both positive and negative. Yeah, a lot of people hating on it. Uh, Yeah, if you just go on YouTube and type in The Last of Us Part 2, it's going to be like so much hate about this game, about how it sucks, about how it's boring, about how it's extremely drab and depressing, but... People on the other side are saying like, no, it's it's just it's so drab and depressing. That's what makes it great. And it's kind of like arguing like what exactly they were trying to get out of this game. You and a couple of our other friends that have gotten this game are starting to sell me on it because I played The Last of Us Part One and um, I was not super into it. And I feel like I might have been missing something because every other person who I know and respect opinions on games says that it's a masterpiece. So I must've been missing something. Well, you mentioned that you didn't like the, the gameplay. Well, that's the survival. The thing. Horror I, I don't, it's the same reason why I never got into the Metal Gear Solid games is because I don't like just hiding. Yeah. And like sneaking around. I like it when that's like a factor of a game, but not when that is what the entire gameplay revolves around. This, this game has a lot of sneaking around and hiding.
1: Um, but, it's not it's not all that. There's a lot of action in it, too. And there's a lot of like downtime as well. There's a lot of just like character moments and, you know, sort of narrative, actionless scenes. Um, I know that the story itself is a big point of contention for a lot of people. and I'm only halfway through it, and I understand that overall, it doesn't seem like the story is better than the first game. Um, But they're trying to do something different. I think that they're trying to make more of a statement about violence in video games and how, especially when you look at the games that Naughty Dog has made, like the Uncharted games, how you have this adventurous treasure hunter, super charismatic wisecracking hero, slaughtering dudes, murdering dudes left and right. But he's still this fun, cool, wisecracking hero. And there's this disconnect there with what you're doing and what you're seeing. And in this game, it seems like they're reckoning with that. And they're presenting you with consequences for the violence that has become ingrained in video games and and the, the fallout of it all. I think that that's what this game is about and even if the story itself is maybe a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more simple than like the big epic adventure that the first game was, I think that the 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 intent of what they're going for is a little bit more ambitious, but the writing itself is still really strong. The dialogue is great. It's subtle and seamless. And again, the 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 stillness of it all. There there's a moment Early on in this game, right before you get into all the heavy shit where you're standing alone in a room that is perfectly tidy. And it's so diametrically opposite of all of the destruction and rubble that you see throughout the bulk of the game. you're standing in this room. It's perfectly tidy. The sunlight is blasting through the windows of this room. And there is so much thematic weight in that moment of you just standing in that perfectly tidy room with the sunlight coming in that I haven't seen anything like that in any game or in most movies or shows. And, you know, that goes to the character work that's so layered and complex and it goes to the animation. The The level of detail in this thing is fucking astonishing. I'm like taking so much time looking at every little thing. I'm not blasting through it. Mm. I'm like slowing down and just appreciating like the way they made everything look. It is one of the best looking games ever. Oh, my God. Just the way they make the, the rubble and the, the overgrown nature look as it takes over like the rubble of Seattle. My God, it is phenomenal, phenomenal. And again, with the violence, you know, the way it feels when you kill doesn't feel good. You mm-hmm. know, and that's that's another thing that people have been saying is like it's not a quote unquote fun game. It makes you feel the the discomfort and the, the disgust that you would feel when you when you murdered. You know, and I don't. I don't think a lot of games try to do that because mm. it makes it less fun. You yeah. Know, compared to like Fortnite, when you're just like pow
2: pow 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 pow. No, I, can I, can I can feel I... disgusted with myself when I kill <laughs> well, anyone in Fortnite.
0: I do have a better appreciation for what it is like as a construction worker after playing Fortnite. Like you got I... to be so
2: quick. Yeah. Otherwise, you die. So, really strong discourse on me and Hunter's side, as well as <laughs> everything you just said. It's a bleak game. It's yeah. a
1: bleak fucking game. I mean, sport slight sp- I guess this isn't really a spoiler, but you have to kill dogs oh. in this game. Mm. That's how hard they're twisting the knife and you're like yeah you like that you like killing people in video <laughs> games well, what's up
0: the last like that? game that you talked about on this show <laughs> was uh red dead 2 in which you like brutalize animals and stuff to take their pelts yeah and now this game you're like yeah you gotta kill some dogs yeah I. are it's you rough. doing okay Ernest? is my question no no i i was thinking that and even
1: playing this game in a global pandemic it's like you know, you you're picking up all these little notes and things, and seeing all these remnants of the before times, and I'm just thinking like, man, I'm I'm gonna be an old man when all this shit goes <laughs> down, and I'm having to like oh, write yeah. a note like,
0: oh, I just got bit. At this oh, point, okay. I'll probably I'll, I'll probably pick it up on PS5 whenever I get that in a few months.
2: Um, I think that you were really right what you said earlier, Hunter, though, because. Uh, I don't think many people, at least from what I've seen, are arguing over the quality of the game. It comes down to what they want out mm-hmm. of a game because right. a lot of people are meeting this uh, gameplay with sheer confusion and like disappointment because they don't want to They're like, oh, bad. this isn't exactly. fun. Yeah. <laughs> they play games to be stimulated in a different way.
1: Especially right now when the world is yeah, so yeah.
2: fucked, you know, you want to escape. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting um, because that's i mean that's a problem that we encounter when trying to talk about any like films or music like there there are some uh elements of culture that you cannot debate the quality of they are simply top notch however if they're not what you want they're not what you want yeah if they don't they don't tickle you the way you want to be tickled
0: you you are right i mean we often talk about uh specifically a lot of times with like movies and stuff like that about whether or not this is like quote unquote like heavy air quotes important at the time which this game is more important now given everything in the world but they've been working on this game for four years uh they didn't know that global pandemic was coming yeah like it's not like they wrote this game specifically to be like this will be the game that will be released during pandemic times yeah
1: so if if you like the first game Please consider playing this one. It's a continuation of the story. It's a continuation of the world and the characters, and it does it in a really, really masterful way. I can't say as of yet if I like it more because I haven't finished it yet. I will report back so far. I think that it is trying to do something way different. It is trying to make a completely different point. And I think in some ways it's its own kind of masterpiece. Cause I do think the first game is a masterpiece. I think it is one of the best games made in the, in the modern era. Um, so that's the last of us part two. It's out on, um, well, I played it on PS4. Is it it's,
0: an exclusive? Yeah, it's, it's a PS4 exclusive. Okay. Xbox isn't even trying with exclusives anymore, by the way, like it, they have just kind of given it they, their crown ship, uh, franchise that they had was halo and they ran that it oh, straight into the yeah. ground
1: hey man, and then a
0: lot of other things that were originally xbox like decades ago like the 2k franchises and stuff like that are now just on yeah. every console so playstation over xbox
1: all right let's get to our review of paul thomas anderson's punch
2: mm-hmm. no punch- mm-hmm. how was that whole starring <laughs> the sandman mm-hmm Looking firmly in his in-between period, Adam
1: Sandler, Um, this movie was written for him, essentially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was PTA on a quest to make a 90-minute film.
0: Yeah that after was magnolia my favorite thing in doing research about this movie afterwards is that paul thomas anderson After he was asked like immediately after magnolia was made like what are you gonna do next and he's like i'm gonna make a movie it's 90 minutes and it's gonna be starring adam sandler this was before adam sandler signed on to do anything but he's just like this is what i need he, this was actually his attempt at making like a comedy which is kind of strange. There are some very, very funny aspects to this movie, but the idea that this is like Paul Thomas Anderson's mind, he was just like, "Yeah, this is my studio comedy that I will make is just great. So, um, I had actually seen this movie before. I don't know if you guys had, was this your first time? I had not. No, this is my My first. first time.
1: So this continues our PTA, uh, sort of retrospective here. This is our third PTA review. Um, unlike the other two that we did, I had actually seen this one before and, um, I'm glad that I revisited. I don't think it is as good as the other two movies that we have reviewed so far, but it's
2: still Paul Thomas Anderson and it's still better than most movies. Yeah. And it's also almost apples and oranges because this is such a vastly different type of movie, even though it replicates so many of the, uh, Really, uh, visceral feelings that he can craft in the other two. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting that you guys say that. I think I like this movie more than Magnolia. Okay, well, yeah, I mean,
1: Magnolia is kind of like this big gargantuan thing. Like this is so much smaller. This
0: is like I would not be surprised at all to know that the Safdie brothers watched this movie before making Uncut Gems. <laughs> yeah. With yeah, so I'm many sure. things. I mean, we'll get into the specifics, but so much of how tension is directed in this movie yeah. with the score playing so loud that you can't even hear some of the dialogue that's happening. I think that they've the manic I, direction just in
2: general. I'm, in this I'm film. fairly sure I remember this after saying that uh, part of the reason they wanted Sandler so bad was because of punch drunk.
0: Yeah. And it's very clear like that. Yeah, you can see it, this. I mean, it's one of the best Sandler performances they've ever given because you get all of the elements of Sandler in this film, you get everything from Sandler freaking out, screaming, going crazy to almost like, uh, like a stupid, like childlike innocence that he has in a lot of things where it's like, it's more of an emotional disconnect, which was especially more pronounced in his very early films that he got famous for. I think I like, uncut gems
1: more i i i i think this is his performance in that or just as a film overall Uh, or both i think both i think both because they're both centered around him they're both dependent on the performance uh they're both built around him yeah and i think that this is this is a perfect adam sandler performance don't get me wrong this is impeccable but Fast forward, you know, uh, 19 years or whatever. And I think he leveled up. He fucking leveled the fuck up with Uncut.
2: I've I've said this before and I'll say it again. Howard Ratner is a one in a billion character. Mm -hmm. He's a character that. Uh, I will tell my children about they will tell their children yeah. about because there will be no more like the record of films existing will be like obliterated from the earth at this point I'm assuming along with all other life and all that yeah. will be left
0: of this is, world will be media it will be it'll, it'll it will be, be, be physical podcast. media in this podcast yeah. and I'll be here waving I'll turn my blu-ray into my blu-ray sleeve into a flag and I'll be waving it on <laughs> physical media no, yeah. island the, yeah
2: the years 2050 uh, everyone on earth is dead except for like you know like one small village of people uh and they had to move to like the center of america because that's what didn't get uh, swallowed by water someone finds in the ground a one terabyte hard drive (laughs) made by brian (laughs) fan fan of the pod and it's just all of our catalog and no movies
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is yeah that's how uh stories are made is it's just us like giving going
2: to spoiler sections for movies (laughs) Um, anyway, though, we got to talk about this movie because we can compare it to other like all time great movies, but that's doing it a disservice because, uh, I, I love this fucking movie. Uh, Sandler in it is unbelievable. This was a, you know, a fastball. We didn't know that he had up to this point in his career. Um, we knew that he was almost at that, at this point in time, he had become underrated because all he had done was just play massive, broad comedic characters. And he was very, very good at it. Um, and he comes into this movie and goes full method. He's in a million long takes. He's in almost every shot of the movie. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and he's acting his little butt off. Uh, iconic uh, blue suit. And the color grading does a lot to aid that. I think it's it is so
1: saturated with yeah. its primary colors.
2: Yeah, and uh, I mean beyond the color grading, every facet of the direction is, uh, you know, it's it's PTA. We can't
1: exactly.
2: Yeah, I, I, what do you, you know, what do you want from me here? It's like the best directing that there is. It's <laughs> phenomenal. The feelings generated uh by like a simple uh pan shot at the right moment can make you feel like queasy like someone is about to get murdered even though it would make no sense and you know no one's about to get murdered it's just it's beautifully done tension is generated uh with every single thing in the frame uh but yeah camera movement was the real star for me in this movie the way that the camera moves around these insanely bizarre spaces like this uh garage <laughs> that his business is yeah. in
1: uh and robert elswit is the dp
2: it's it's just it's gorgeous it's frenetic it's dynamic all the time uh, and then that makes it so when we get still shots, it those are more effective, too, because it's a back and forth.
0: And all the stills, I mean, it's kind of a PTA classic. All the stills are right dead center in frame. Yeah. And I mean, even just kind of the tracking shots, there's a few of them that are just you just see the back of Sandler's head as he's walking. He is just right in the center of the frame, which is something that PTA does in a ton of his films. If you like actually look for it, you'll notice that like, He'll do some stuff with the rule of thirds and everything. But for the most part, he wants you to pay attention, right? What's oh, in yeah. front of him. And that's what he's going for. Another element to this tension is this score in this film. Uh, John Brion, John Bryan. Uh, did we get a I didn't I, get I, I didn't T get a T clear on read on it's, uh, it's John Brion. One of I wrote down one of the best I've ever heard in my life. Uh, yeah, no. So I was listening to it and I was like, oh, my God. I think that Johnny Greenwood – I think this is my favorite Johnny Greenwood score that he's no, ever done. And it wasn't Johnny Greenwood. It was John The, the original Johnny Greenwood, yeah. you might say. No, he- it's his use of very experimental percussions with kind of loud synths mm-hmm. and almost like jazz-style drumming in certain parts. It reminded me – the closest I could think of was Fiona something Apple. like <laughs> – No, well, as far as, like, film scores go is either some of the stuff in Whiplash or Birdman. Mm -hmm. Very Birdman. Very, very Birdman, especially with the tracking shots following behind him as he's walking around in this chaos. And there's just, like, madness happening in front of him, like a pile of, like, uh, (laughs) 3,000 pudding cups or something like that. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about the the coupons. But but the the, the, the,
1: score, man. So the the thing I love the most about the score (laughs) is that it, like a lot of great scores and a lot of character portraits like this, it puts you right in the the protagonist's headspace. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who is mentally freaking out all the time. And it it's some level of, I guess, mania to some extent. I don't know if if there's like a specific
2: diagnosis for just, it, but well, a lot of it's just never ever addressing a single issue. It's has. just, it's, mm. it's
1: anxiety, you never know, never opening
2: it's up. Yeah. Never being panic. able to actually get his emotions out.
1: Yeah. And, and the music puts you in there with him where it's this
2: tension, this unease that yeah. doesn't let up. And the reason I said Fiona Apple is a uh, John Breon worked extensively with Fiona mm. Apple throughout her career. Uh, But B, the experimental quality of these percussive sounds where like at one point we're hearing what sounds like either a pick or a fingernail being run across a guitar string. (laughs) And it's like it's like literally nails on a chalkboard because it's during moments where that is what's going through his head is nails on a chalkboard. Um, Also, I love how the particularly the experimental uh, sounds every single time that they kick in almost is when he touches the piano mm-hmm. that is when score kicks in. what is it the harpsi- harps- yeah. harpsichord. yeah yeah
0: um but i also do love how kind of intentionally jarring the um this very experimental score is that we're talking about to the actual punch drunk melody which I mean that's just a melody it's just been playing in my head since I heard it. I've been listening to the score like I watched this movie for the first time a few days ago. And I've just been listening to the score like non-stop. It's absolutely incredible music. Um let's talk about some of the supporting cast. So um
1: we got Emily Watson as the main love interest. I I really uh, I loved her. Mm-hmm.
2: Loved her character. Uh these characters we'll get into later but like the this exact type of relationship has been in each of the other two movies that we've seen from paul thomas he has a lot to say about like strange couples who have don't have much in common at all but just need someone
0: or yeah it's just like they just have this attraction to each this unspoken attraction to each other and the attraction is just deep loneliness Mm -hmm. that they're looking for someone who is also like damaged goods just like that yeah but I, i really enjoyed emily watson
1: I think I think, you know, this will tie into the very end of the movie, but I think that there is a a certain fantastical level to the romance in this
0: movie. percent. we're going to there's one specific part to me where it, it just kind of becomes a different movie. And I loved it for that, that yeah. we'll have to save it for spoilers. I mean, but- to
1: me, to me, it's a little bit of a double edged sword because I
0: I think that the
1: movie doesn't fully commit to that on a grant like on the macro scale and it kind of tries to do a little bit of the more naturalistic take but also this relationship that's being pursued is so out of this world like it would never in a million years happen but because it's Paul Thomas Anderson it works mm-hmm. you know and and it's a little bit incongruous but i think that because of these two actors because of sandler and watson like you you ultimately do buy it that these people end up together and that they love each other but in any real scenario they it would never work it would never these people would never be together and 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 i don't think that their relationship would be good or healthy or <laughs>
2: <laughs> or any, any yeah the uh, whole this whole movie to me read as fantasy like mm-hmm. it, it yeah it was so departed from reality from almost pretty early in the movie i mean that, the
1: first scene yeah when the when the the harpsichord is dropped off even that lets you know kind of what you're getting into
2: yeah and also the fact that about a half hour into the movie you still have no idea what's happening yeah. <laughs> you, like there is not like uh boogie nights is pretty straightforward hero's journey for the first half of it or so and then magnolia you know forgoes a lot of that because we're getting more of an ensemble Uh, And then this movie has fully deconstructed any idea of structure in any way.
0: So so I was going to say that they're very different uh, plot wise in a lot of aspects. But this movie reminded me a lot of the 1990 David Lynch film Wild at Heart. There's a lot of elements of this should be a more grounded story, but there are this these fantastical elements that make it otherworldly it doesn't quite make it full fantasy but it makes it that you are watching a universe that is not our universe yeah. but it is just some kind of form of reality that is out there it's the PTA verse yeah uh we've also got Philip Seymour Hoffman yes um
1: the man himself
0: one of men uh, philip seymour hoffman like especially so in these earlier like uh paul thomas harrison films i also i watched Heart eight like a couple months ago at this point And he just like pops up for like, he gets like five to seven minutes of screen time, maybe Mm -hmm. in these movies and just dominates Dominates them.
1: (laughs) It's It's unbelievable. It's so good. And I I get so sad watching him, man, because we
2: lost a God, an acting God. One of one of the (laughs) I actually like audibly kind of cheered because I went in this movie knowing nothing about the cast aside from Sandler, uh, because the opening shot, where we see uh, Hoffman, his his back is turned and you just see like the blonde man yes. and then he turns his head and I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's yeah, him. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fucking pleasure. Uh, I also uh, was extremely happy to see Marilyn Roscoe get some uh, actually like is that. A the decent, sister. Yeah. 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 Of Gail, the snail fame of 24. Fame. I was going
0: to say, <laughs> we can't we got to talk about uh, her in the 24 universe. She that is oh. as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, my God, it's Chloe from 24. Not even Gail, the snail.
2: Louise <laughs> uh, Guzman. She rocks. She's very funny. And um, I think she does a great job in this role. Uh, the relationship between uh, Barry and his sisters is you know, you I could watch like a 10-hour like documentary about that. Like yeah. a fake documentary. <laughs> they keep about. coming out of like different doorways. Yeah, they're coming <laughs> out of the fucking woodwork. And he's like... <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's, that's one of the best things about this movie that I think is something that I do like about this film over something like Magnolia. Where there is so much left to be said about this film that I really appreciated. That there is... All these other side characters and side plots, you're like, can you give me a whole movie of that versus trying to be overindulgent in certain things? Don't get me wrong. Magnolia is also an incredible movie, but I I really love – and just that little – aspect of like he comes from a family of eight he is the youngest and he has seven sisters or something like that yeah so he's the baby he's been picked on his entire life gay boy it informs well it informs just in that one little scene so much about his character about some of his outbursts and stuff that he has because he lived in this family of they he lived in a household of women but he was always kind of the baby and was always bullied in this way that he had to channel his emotions into just like sporadic outbursts. Otherwise he just kind of sat by quietly and avoided any kind of social interactions that he could.
2: Yeah. And we get a great scene where he tries to open up about that with uh, Bobby Smigel. Yeah. The, the SNL writer extraordinaire uh, doing a good job in a very tiny role. Yeah. Um, But that's that's one of the first scenes where Sandler does like some heavy, heavy acting when he, he you know, breaks down a bit. Um, and yeah, you get to see that there is so, so much going on so with this fucking guy.
1: Part of me feels like I would like this movie a lot more if it dove more into that, into like the the issues that he's facing psychologically and emotionally and really unpack like what's going on with this guy. But I don't know. I, I really love the movie that we got regardless because it's it's almost like PTA is like, yeah, that's not what I I care about. You know, just accept the fact that this guy is fucked up and let's tell a crazy love story and, and let's not yeah. even touch it's, the psychological shit.
2: It's almost it's like he started with like grotesque maximalism in his filmmaking. Like he started on such a broad scope that I loved the narrowing down to this point. It, it like, (laughs) <laughs> it's a dumb comparison but it almost reminded me of like certain like playboy cardi beats like in his songs where it's almost sounds like half of a beat but it sounds better because of that because you're getting like sparse elements yeah or
0: if you had all of it you might not like it quite as much so that's one thing that i was i'm glad that you just said something like that because that just reminded me one of my things that i wrote down whenever i was watching this movie is that this is it feels like a musical without the musical elements <laughs> so much of this movie like it really reminds Especially of like... Some of the stuff like uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, some Demi stuff like that, where it's so bright and colorful and the way that the score kind of moves the story, it feels like they're, about, feels to like they're about to break into <laughs> yeah. a song and a dance, but that never actually comes. Mm, that's interesting. And the use of silhouettes in this yeah. film.
2: I also, I guess mainly like this is a movie that I, I like uh, Boogie Nights and Magnolia better than this, but I just truly enjoyed this for exactly what it was, which was a total departure from uh, everything that we knew well not everything but so much of what we knew up to yeah. this point about pta and it's him showing so much restraint mm-hmm.
1: because the whole psh sex line subplot there is there's an lot. opportunity to go way way more into that and really explore that yeah and give us so many set pieces and so many more great scenes he, but he could have given us a three-hour movie yeah but <laughs> he again for some reason set out to make a 90 minute movie and and it, it, it turns out to be like a really good experiment for him to, to give himself these bounds to, to be creative in this very limited space. And I, I think it really works. Me personally, I think I would have loved the three hour version of this movie. I, my favorite PTA movies are the ones where he just fucking indulges all the way and goes full fucking overboard. Like the Master and, and There Will Be Blood mm-hmm. are just gargantuan, the most indulgent filmmaking you will see in your life. And I love it for that. And this is way more restrained. And I understand that, you know, there's so many people that have this as their number one PTA movie because it's so like refined and simple mm-hmm. and um not to knock it down for that but when you compare it to these other movies it just feels
0: so much more streamlined and and you know simple it is interesting to think about the universe where magnolia doesn't actually come out and what his final cut of this movie would have been had he not have just made a 4 hour <laughs> film and yeah. he's just like i can't do that any
2: yeah and yeah. had been generally sort of maligned because of that yeah
0: but another thing that i've loved about especially going back through these Uh, old these the pre there will be blood era of PTA is that there's so many elements in each of these films where he's trying to kind of find his way as a filmmaker and figure out what he is and there is this film has some more of that stylish flair that we do see in the there will be bloods and the uh, the masters and even phantom thread but it doesn't have It doesn't have the indulgence in uh, some of the plot aspects that is in his earlier work. So it's kind of been interesting putting these pieces together. And you can see the things that really did stick in his mind by doing these experiments to become just one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. By the way, I didn't do it at the very beginning, but I should say that uh, this is actually a very special episode of. Uh Oh, um, oh, my God. Crack and Crite. You you have the Crite? So I do not. um, Hunter, (laughs) that was it. I was so excited. No, I. uh, Prime package right there. I mean, it's just real quickly. It is kind of strange. This is the only PTA film that's on the Criterion channel. Blasphemy. Um, Which is interesting. The reason why is because this film came out in 2002. Criterion originally was out to restore films that didn't really get a wide DVD or a Blu-ray release. This movie was a bomb. at the box office lost a lot of money Yeah, budget 25 mil got a very limited dvd run never got a blu-ray run so criterion came in there and did a full remastering of it and i did kind of look up there is some stuff that you can find on youtube it's not on the criterion channel right now which hopefully they'll add it on there because i'd love to watch through all the stuff i know john breon has a whole like 30 minute thing that he talks about his score which i would love to watch that
2: so yeah our budget was 25 mil uh box office 24 4.7 uh, shouldn't have bought all that pudding. Oh. Yeah, uh, all
0: that pudding. <laughs> all turns out mother. the coupon
2: thing uh, didn't exactly work. And th- did you guys? I this was one thing I specifically looked up because that was such a specific thing, and I th- almost remembered hearing something like that actually happening. And it literally mm. did happen in real life. Someone actually exploited like a pudding that's, deal for free. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so he just included that. Uh, yeah i i loved that entire like little subplot yeah. and how he is just like he's hoarding all this pudding without actually having any semblance of a plan of where he's gonna go or what he'll do um just a broken man yeah it's
0: <laughs> I, I think we we got to get into spoilers to talk well, more about the whole journey of that because before
1: spoilers i just want to shout out these beautiful color full screen uh, transitions I, yeah i almost call them graphics
2: but that feels like insulting to this like artwork one like, of motion art one of the best uh parts of the movie yeah. was all these trends transition like animations i guess yeah call them like i don't know how they achieved that look um but it has this like organic look to it though it, it you know you would assume that it had to be digitally created it must be some sort of insane camera combined with editing trick i, I have no clue i man.
1: think it has something to do with painting the actual film stock yeah it has to be
2: like they take the film and they paint on the cells because yeah, it looks so organic yeah and like it's just it's beautiful it almost <laughs> it almost reminded me of in between sketches on i think you should leave <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah just like gorgeous filmmaking that's that's the thing with this movie for for every sparse element it is all held together by one of the best directors who's ever done it yeah, yeah. so I was and able that, to enjoy every moment that
1: moment those moments alone I think it's what maybe two or three times in the movie where that happens three. it just you get to sit back and just like take a moment to breathe because the movie builds up all of this like confusion and tension that you need to like sit back for a second and collect yourself before you're dropped right back into it. And that's so effective. And obviously like the colors themselves are beautiful. So it just adds to the visual palette of the movie mm-hmm. and just like the, the the tapestry that he's putting forth because every color in those transitions is uh, reflected in the film mm-hmm. the blue is his suit the red is her dress the the there's like blacks and whites as well so that he's going for a very very specific look and those colors let you know like hey it's all intentional and everything here is very precise and very thought out yeah just gorgeous really really loved it um so the movie is actually on hbo right now uh, really recommend everybody checks it out so yeah. you can follow us on well, our pta well, journey
2: uh, it also i i appreciate this movie all the more because of where it stands like in his career sequentially yeah. it's so it's just endlessly fascinating uh because he is but this is his fourth feature his third major feature and then the movie he makes after this is heralded by many is like one of the greatest films ever made mm. it's it's such an
1: odd like arc it's not even an arc it's like no. you start out at boogie nights then magnolia then this and then and then there will be blood it doesn't it doesn't feel like a natural progression it's this
0: very kind of zigzag sort of flow yeah that's what that's why i was getting at where i'm saying like he's trying to figure out what kind of a filmmaker he's going to be in all of these but the thing is that For a lot of for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of directors figuring out what you are as a filmmaker does not lead to uh, even like a pretty good movie. (laughs) And for him, we're talking about like, oh, he made like another excellent piece of art. That's one of the best films of the last decade.
1: And the thing the thing that I think just sets PTA apart from the rest is when you look at every movie he's made, it's all of them are significant. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about Spike Lee a couple weeks ago, and it was
2: so daunting to try to do a Spike Lee retrospective because the catalog is so massive. And and he's, you know, he's done just pure directing jobs where he's taken paychecks and like been a hired gun. PTA doesn't do that,
1: you know, and maybe one day we'll talk about Inherent Vice. But for the most part, every single movie that he's made is just exceptional on every level it, like just mm-hmm. impeccable and this one you know this one's not one of my favorites i i i have it uh on the kind of bottom tier yeah. of his of his filmography but i would still put it as one of my favorite movies of all
0: time yeah i mean <laughs> so. well, that's, that's the thing about him he definitely comes from like the kubrick uh, kind of mindset or even the Tarantino where they're like, I'm only going to make a certain amount of films, but they're all going to be incredible or at least have something profound to say. Where uh Spike Lee is more from like the Scorsese universe where he's just like, I have a bunch of gems, but also how prolific I am as a director is one of the things that makes me great. It's two different ways to be great. One is Amy. Can, can we get some room tone
2: really quick on this fucking thunder? And yeah, <laughs> I
0: hope I hope the listeners
2: are are picking up uh, are listening to this sounds like it's like hailing outside jesus this
0: is becoming an asmr (laughs) podcast um one other thing before we get into spoilers um i think that this film has like my favorite movie kiss of all time Mm. it's on the poster yeah but dear god talk about like how beautiful the music this, this painting and then you get that that main punch drunk medley kicking in right there but that's what I was talking about. The use of color specifically when our characters get together in that, uh, extended sequence uh, while they go on a little trip together is straight up out of a Jacques Demy film, uh, yeah. umbrellas of Sherbourg or, uh, girls of rock star. I'm trying to look up what, uh, the uh, other film this is, this guy I'm watches movies, um, which, <laughs> by <laughs> the way, what I was going to say is that, uh, Uh, The Young Girls of Rochefort. That's what it is. Um, Both of those films, if you are interested in colors and in uh, classic French cinema, also on HBO Max. The
2: so Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: So let's get into spoilers for Punch Drunk Love starting right now.
2: I really want to talk about the just the central relationship of this movie because there it this relationship is also in Boogie Nights and it's also in Magnolia and it's endlessly fascinating to me. Um and I I this is if I were to meet PTA this is ex- the first thing that I would want to talk about with him is his feelings on love and its role in life because it he's not looking down upon his characters but in each of his movies the characters that fall in love are stupid. Um yeah. and like hopelessly lost and broken and they're they're half of a person and all they need is someone else who just needs someone
1: well just look at phantom threat like that movie is about codependency it's about yeah the the feeling that your significant
2: other is there to save you yeah and keep you alive Def- and yeah and that's and that's even a whole different vibe because those are two very sharp characters they're right. like extremely smart like high functioning people in different ways um but in Boogie Nights, we get uh, what's his name, John uh, John Brian, no, oh. that's why I keep talking about John Brian, right. not even listening at all. John Oliver, <laughs> I'm Zazu. John Smith, John, John C. Riley, fucking John god, C. just absolutely like toning me out. John C. Riley's insane relationship with Melora Hardin, where they have zero things in common yeah. except for the need for a person, and then you get um. Now I'm gonna make you do it for for Magnolia. Give Wait, me-
1: were you were were you just talking about John
2: C. Riley in Magnolia? No, in fucking Boogie Nights. John C. Riley doesn't have a relationship. No, right I'm talking about Magnolia. Mark walbert Okay, we're gonna retake this whole deal. <laughs> right. And beep beep. bang. go. Magnolia, we got Give John C. Riley. Be- Boogie Nights, we have Don Cheadle. It's because we watch these out of order. It's right. not It's yeah. not just fucking the listeners right. up. But I'm not smart enough to put three things in order.
0: So I was going to say, uh, to get this podcast back on track, um, what I was busy looking up over here doing research was to figure out if he was still dating Fiona Apple at the time. Because that does make sense as two kind of people who... Are trying to figure themselves out at the same time as dating each other. Weirdly, on um, Wikipedia, it's marking them as Fiona Dapple- Apple and him dated until two thousand two. It also says that him and Maya Rudolph di- starting in two thousand one. Hey. So I'm not really <laughs> sure what exactly is going on there. Uh, I think I do. <laughs> um, doesn't elaborate on any kind of a scandal or anything there, but uh, I, you know. It's it's interesting. PTA is a, he's he's it's, a ladies man.
2: It's not <laughs> because he's not necessarily condescending down like he's he's not looking at these characters like st- in a strictly negative light for needing this connection uh but he's choosing particularly in both of the giant ensemble movies he's chosen, you know, more more hapless characters to yeah. fall in love. Uh and it's really interesting because you you think that uh adam sandler is really fucked up in this movie and then you meet the woman who wants all of that so let's talk about the sex scene. instantly the the bedrooms yeah I'm, i mean that is the <laughs> uh that scene is the end of phantom thread the you know the kiss me yeah the scene <laughs> it is that scene where you i was like finally like it was such a release to me where they both started actually saying like i want to fucking yeah gouge your eyes on each it's
1: so like what? yes 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> they they get it you know they're gonna that, to me that scene was like yeah they're gonna make it yeah <laughs> like this isn't a fling
1: that yeah you're right like that's when it all sort of clicks because you know to my point earlier about it not feeling like a real world relationship when you get to that moment that's the one where you're like oh now it makes sense mm. because you know there was nothing i mean maybe at Maybe if I if I watched it a third time, I would pick up on something. But before then, you don't really get much from Emily Watson's character that she is as fucked up as he is. Well,
0: I mean, it is slowly kind of some things are revealed. we are full in spoilers now, right? Yeah. Okay. so I mean, we don't follow her story arc specifically, but it is revealed that. She had no plans. Her car was fine and she just saw a picture of him and was like, I want to be with him and like, kind of stalked him creepily and just like, hey, uh, can you just like watch my car? That actually works fine, but I'm going to say it's broken. So yeah, that, just so I can meet you. That's and, a big hint. It's, and, yeah, so, like, it's so bizarre and weird. And, and a that's lot not of what it, a normal person does. A,
2: a lot of it also comes down to a really great performance by Emily Watson, because uh, if you really study her in scenes, like she is sort of like floating along, but she is always laser focused on Sandler even though she seems aloof in a way, because this is a weird fucking lady. Yeah. <laughs> like she does a really great job of playing someone who has it together enough that you're like, oh, you don't want a piece of that guy. But in retrospect, you're like, you know, she's deeply weird too. Like she she needs someone fucked up because she uh, seems to have a lot underneath. The fact that uh, a lot of the dialogue between them Uh, kind of reflects how they're the idiosyncrasies of their relationship. And I I really love what he did with that. He's done this in his other movies too, but they are talking past each other a lot of the time in this Mm -hmm. movie. They are having two different conversations, but the vibe is there because they both just like need someone to hear what they're saying. It doesn't matter if they even respond. Like when they're in a, once they reach Hawaii and he's like, Oh, she, she's going like, Oh, you took me out of my hotel room. That was so nice. That was so nice. I can't believe you did that. And he just goes, really does look like Hawaii out here. (laughs) Like they're just, they're not saying anything to each other. And like the initial dinner scene is like that too, where he's like, you know, he's, he goes on this long monologue about like how his sister, you know, is like lying, blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, she told me a funny story about you.
1: So that the fact that that had on me is it made me kind of dizzy because (laughs) I was, I felt like I was missing something. I was like, this is not this conversation makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I was like lost. And so it gave me this feeling of like, oh, God, what's happening? What's happening? I'm losing track of this movie. But it's really them just wanting to speak to feel heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not really a connection that's exactly. happening here. The, I guess the connection is happening, but it's not happening through their words. No, right. and,
2: and that's what happens in um, Boogie Nights especially. Don Cheadle falls in love with that woman just because she listens to him talk. That's literally it. Yeah. And then uh, John C. Riley and Melora Hardin's whole thing is – or not Melora Hardin, but – it's it's fucked up on another level because they're both like deeply messed up particularly her being like coked out of her mind but they both are just like they can look in each other's eyes and see that they both need somebody yeah that's all it is yeah um and so it worked really well for me particularly the way he wrote it and i agree that it is it's dizzying and i think that he would go on to harness that dizzying quality in a much in a yeah in a way deeper way in the master where you are literally you feel like you're you're on drugs drugs. yeah the entire entire movie you're like what is going it's almost, it's like a scanner darkly level shit you yeah. know where it just it the conversation yeah. just lurches off and you're like wait where am yeah i, I just drank some in? fucking paint thinner yeah. right now man <laughs> what the fuck he's he's really really good at that
0: he yeah no i mean you guys are exactly right that it is every aspect of pta specifically a lot of times with his dialogue is all meant to accentuate his direction and the direction is meant to be disorienting it's meant to be anxiety inducing to the point where you were talking about how it made you feel dizzy that scene it kind of left me like feeling just kind of hollow inside (laughs) and then it all that hollowness is kind of what you're meant to feel with Adam Sandler's character, that's what as he, he just, feels. yeah he always feels empty inside. Exactly. He feels alone whenever she says something like that, and so he goes in, he destroys a bathroom like that's his only reaction that he um, has. The, <laughs> and that's that's another layer
2: of, of great acting by him because the literally the millisecond she brings up his sister telling a story about him, his face his, and his hand, yeah, his hand just it, like he has to stop himself
0: from fucking hitting the table.
1: It's a great performance
0: he is so so good we have to talk oh, about we got to move back a little bit and we have to talk about the sex call scene yeah uh because that is just on another level it's what do you so do when good. you feel empty inside and so empty and it's 2002 bad. and you're like well this is this is my <laughs> yeah. option i have to call a sex line um just a little tidbit for the listener if uh you're ever on the phone with somebody and they ask you for your social security number or your home address just don't give it to them um <laughs> little little tip, but once again, uh, Sandler is a little bit of a of a dum dum, so it kind of makes sense. He's so desperate and alone, and I thought that that call was going to go in a different direction i thought he was going to use it like a therapy session almost and be like i'm paying you to just like listen to me talk sort of that's what he wanted
2: to do that is what he wanted to do
0: and then he's just like well i guess i'll jack off
2: yeah she she really wants me to jo, so (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'll crank my hog and then
1: that kickstarts that whole psh subplot because he's the mattress man
2: that runs the the call center (laughs) ring yeah which like I said, I'm I'm happy with the the sparsity of the movie, but I one more scene just with him would have been great just because it would have been with him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's a guy. But
1: the moment we get when they face off, when he goes oh to Utah, god. you got to be kidding and he confronts me. them. Oh, fireworks.
0: Why didn't we have That's more that? Adam Sandler versus uh, PSA like just in the same film? Because man the two of them together is like full-on electricity like just bottled um just real quickly i'm actually glad that we didn't get more of that subplot because i kind of like how mysterious it is and just kind of leaving up to your imagination they probably just have like Hundreds of dudes that just go around or thousands of people who called him, give their credit card information, their social, yeah. and then they just go to their house and fuck him up. These lonely guys. I mean, she like threatens to call back and like talk to his girlfriend and everything else, because you know that that's how they have scammed more oh, money yeah. out of these people this far. Um, i i screamed it at the top of this podcast but just then being like fuck myself did you just tell me to go fuck myself
2: yeah and (laughs) just uh, like every pta movie too there are a couple incredible prop jokes in this and one of them is that he still has the telephone (laughs) he he flies to utah and and that that also helps play into the whole like dreamlike aspect of this movie where it's still like, like he walked to utah almost you know like so if cool. time does not exist at that point in the film <laughs> that's the magic of movies yeah and then really quick the other prop joke i really loved goes back to the beginning where he shows up to the birthday party with a little cake yeah, dude, the, the one thing cake. you would never want to bring to a party without telling anyone like hey is there a cake <laughs> like, <laughs> such a dumb a fucking really thing small
0: cake yeah it's so there's funny. like 10 people in the house and there's like four slices yeah they're and like oh
2: we have a cake he's like oh you have a cake there's this huge <laughs> fucking cake sitting there because it's a birthday that, party. that <laughs>
0: whole scene
1: there's so many amazing scenes in that movie but that scene might be like it's it's not my favorite it might be like second or third favorite all because he like he shatters the fucking screen door just out of nowhere because it's a perfectly normal birthday party Mm -hmm. it's just a normal family interaction that's happening and nothing's
2: going particularly wrong right
1: but you you get so much out of that scene for his character because you understand that even the simplest most mundane situation causes him panic and anxiety and and even the relationship with the sisters yeah Yeah, i mean that's
0: that's set up just while he's like trying to do like important business which by the the whole choice to make him like a boutique toilet shop (laughs) owner is just a classic pta (laughs) touch that i fucking love that's a great Um, yeah that's a great one but Just like he's trying to do his job And like he has his sisters calling him Like one at a time nagging him And stuff It's And then it all gets really brought to a head Because you can tell that he's already tense He's already on edge And then they start bringing up this like repressed trauma from his childhood about being called gay boy Yeah, and well, every it just triggers yeah, it
2: every he has unbelievably deep shit going on with his sisters like every time that they are even mentioned he is like losing it a little bit right. he cannot manage to even talk to any of them without like losing his, something like it was something very 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 sinister <laughs> and again to, to the point of the movie being just super streamlined
1: i think that it's better left unsaid mm-hmm. because Definitely. then you would tack on this whole Probably like 30 minute, maybe not 30 minute, but like big chunk of the movie to explain what happened in his
0: past yeah. and how it pay really off.
2: it's just we can you know we can surmise that at the very least he just grew up unheard and deeply deeply emasculated
0: yeah exactly. i mean and the only sister he has like a half decent relationship with is the Marilyn lynn yeah. uh Rascope who kid. he then you know threatens to murder yeah on the <laughs> and <paper> that's on. <laughs> that's as close as he does get to having yeah. like a normal relationship which is i mean that's great acting, he almost way. like it's some kind of i again this whatever disorder has goes undiagnosed in this film and i'm not a psychoanalyst to do the job, but it is like he has these real childlike tendencies, these tantrums that he throws or something of like a, it's something that like you would see out of like a seven-year-old or something and he never matured yeah. beyond that point which
2: also it's it's good casting and it's all well, it's good writing around the actor that he had already chosen i mm-hmm. guess uh because sandler has a childlike quality about him he has a giant fucking egghead yeah
0: he has and a the head.
2: suit makes and him the suit, look even yeah more he looks ridiculous. so silly so many shots of his silhouette because you can just see his yeah. giant fucking noggin like he looks like a baby like he waddled so
0: that nathan fielder <laughs> could fly <laughs> It's like a Dick Tracy villain or something. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. So what I was going to say earlier in the pre spoilers time that where this movie goes full fantasy for me is uh, in the scene that uh, he returns back to LA um, with with Emily Watson and he gets like run into by the car and they just picks up a tire iron. And it's like an action movie yeah. set piece where he's just like flipping the tire iron around and like hitting people. Yeah. I thought that it was Perfect like, I thought just it was like a dream sequence or something while I was seeing it because we had already seen them once before that. I thought this was just all in his imagination. but Whenever you realize that is the film, I don't think that that's exactly what happens. I think that the entire movie is meant to put us in the perspective of Adam Sandler. And I feel like he kind of just went a little bit crazy and like, ah, like did some weird shit. But in his (laughs) mind, he was like a superhero out there, just like taking them all out one at a time. Maybe
2: he never even got out of the
0: car. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he just got hit and and
2: and then they they drove away. He could have just gotten into a wreck with a random person. But they're also I do love the read of uh, like the possibility that it actually happened because the second he gets his shit together and actually takes his rage out in an effective way is when he sees her bleeding. Mm -hmm. It's not nothing to do with himself. Uh, And that, you know, that is a growth moment, even though it's like very stunted growth and not great growth.
1: And I think it's paid off again when he faces off against PSH.
0: And he's like, I have a love in my life that makes me stronger than you can imagine. <laughs> I, I love that line. Yeah. It's some of, well, I it does work. Like some of the very, very corny dialogue that he gives is very purposeful. It's not like we know that PTA can't write higher level dialogue for no, some of his characters. It's, just, it's he's, all he's, for a purpose.
2: I mean, it's a hard thing to do. It's like writing stupid people. Yeah. And like effectively and not super condescendingly. But, but it's the performance, too. Oh, yeah. You're not you're
1: never annoyed of this guy. And in a different movie, it would be unwatchable
2: to see this guy be the main character. Of yeah. The and be so stupid. Like when he is uh, in Hawaii and he calls the criminals to say, hey, I'm out of town. <laughs> but uh, I'm, once I get back, <laughs> like telling them, hey, rob me, please go to yeah. my house and take my shit. <laughs> Um, like he he's so so dumb.
0: <laughs> that scene is so funny that he just calls and tells them.
2: Yeah, and I'd like my money back, and yeah, you know, I might even call the cops. But yeah, the, the that's that scene is is just incredible, and it's yeah, it's the one scene where that's like S- Sandler is like almost outshone just because uh, Phillips' energy when he stands up is like Jesus, who is this guy? Well, so
1: PSH, I think is one of the all. I mean. We I think we've said this so many times, but is one of the all time great actors. But when you see him in a moment like that and you know what he's capable of and you see him hold off because he knows it's not his movie, mm-hmm. that's, I think, what makes him great. I think that's like one of the pieces of, of just perfect acting They, you don't come in and think, let's go, baby, supporting actor, Oscar give it to me baby it's like no i'm reacting to my co-stars mm-hmm. and my filmmaker and my script and i'm here to serve a, a very specific purpose in the story i mean like like we said with his performance in magnolia like that's the same guy the <laughs> same actor mm-hmm. who's sitting Beside the 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 dying old man. It's yeah. like unbelievable. And
0: then Boogie Nights, too. Yeah. It's such N- different- <laughs> and then the master <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> is coming later on. Like, it's yeah. it's not even fair. Like, no. How yeah, he serves, the script. He, gets, he
2: serves the movie.
0: He
1: gets to go all the way in the master. So that's the one where he's like completely full blown unleashed. But in this one, it's like there's that tinge of like, oh, I'm not I'm not going to go all the way. Yeah, I'm not going to take this. This is Sandler's movie. And even when we're face to face, and it's toe to
2: toe, hundred percent, it's still not an upstage moment. Mm-hmm. And easily one of the best moments of the movie is when Sandler's just out the door, and then he's like, "You fucking pervert!" <laughs> he's like, "You said what? What'd you say?" Yeah, and then what he's the like, "That's that, that, that. that. That's that." And he just walked <laughs> off, like just so good. because it's such like it's children, you know? Yeah. It's like a little child. No, it's like no. I said
0: uh, no take back. Sorry. Did again. you <laughs> like? Do you guys think this is his funniest movie? Um, no, Phantom Thread. Dude, Phantom yeah, Thread. Yeah, Phantom Thread is. I, I'd say that it's between these two because this movie is like laugh out loud, hilarious. It's, I Boogie mean, Knight's
2: Nights has a lot of great humor.
0: There, I, There's humor in all of his films. Have you guys if, seen
2: Inherent Vice?
0: Mm-mm. No, I have not. Okay, That's the last I would, one because I've seen Heart Eight. That's the last one that I need to see. I would be interested to maybe do
1: an episode on that because the humor in that movie is so specific. It's like Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix is basically playing like like bugs bunny kind of deal <laughs> it's like very I'm broad. am listening yeah <laughs> I mean, it's in? very broad cartoony type stuff um it's worth
2: checking out yeah. it's it's not his best work but it is so weird so joaquin phoenix is like uh taking philip seymour hoffman's gun and like like turning the <laughs> <Yeah>. barrel over <laughs> into his own face and then he shoots himself A Rabbit season yeah
1: um so, again, about PSH, I just wanted to shout out the phone call scene where he's like, shut up,
2: shut up, shut the fuck up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, again, is just the, the the intensity of it and the playfulness as well
2: all mm-hmm. wrapped together. Yeah. It, and it, it there is for like a second or two, I was almost getting the vibe of like, this is the real phone sex for Sandler because they're yes. and same with Philip. They both seem like guys who like want to be angry and they need someone to be angry to. Yep. Like, it, it really, it almost felt like they were vibing whenever they talked.
0: Do we think that Barry and uh, Lena worked it out? Do you think they're still together today? Yes. Um, but... Or did
2: he murder her because she, like... I think that they both probably alive. died in some sort of really stupid accident. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just, like, fell out of a plane or something. <laughs> Somehow. They were trying to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> <laughs> well, Wait, I, pulled up, I pulled up the full quote from that
1: phone call scene. He's like, you go to fuck yourself. Oh, you... You fuck.
2: Did, did you just say yo, yeah. fuck myself? The indignation. <laughs> yes, I did. That wasn't good. You're dead.
0: Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> good. <laughs> You're dead.
2: That wasn't good. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh, man.
1: I, I'd like to think they're still together. What you about know? what do do Maybe we some... think
0: do we think that Sandler was able to get away with that scam? Or do you think that because he <laughs> it it's they said it was gonna take him like a month no. for him to get that stuff. Do you think that they changed their policy suddenly and Dude, he isn't able no, to get those
1: free airline miles? The guy that he was on the phone with was like, I don't know. <laughs> like he did
2: not
0: get well, that was oh, just some fuck. low level guy i, I yeah. like that i like that it was just like an actual customer service rep if yeah. he like, called on these places I'm, pre- on yeah. people, I'm
2: i'm pretty sure it worked for the guy in real life i think he got like over a million that's why there when when uh, sandler says that specific number if, if you were to spend this much money you get a million miles or whatever that guy actually spent that much
0: money. i mean that is kind of it's like i mean without i'm not trying to say this in an offensive way or anything but like it really is almost like spectrum thinking of stuff where you're just like airline miles are a currency in themselves if i acquire all these then i am like a millionaire with this form of currency even if it isn't like the national exchange of how we purchase goods normally and the scene
1: when he's in the grocery store kind of collecting every product that has the label on it Mm -hmm. it's like this he's like I need every single item. It's not about like, Oh, let me just get a couple of them. It's like I need to load up all the. Yeah,
0: way. and well, and it also goes whenever he's describing like why he picks the puddings because he's just like actually the puddings. Each individual cup has its own barcode, and <laughs> that, that adds. I see ten of that, these I, cups. That was the exact
2: mistake that this guy in real life took advantage of. That every cup accidentally counted as a thing. it's Amazing. Yeah, this is like That's
0: a real genius. Ass, like so that funny. is really, really genius. And you don't,
1: you don't need that in this movie because it doesn't. <laughs> the only thing it does for the plot is that he's able to travel to
0: Hawaii to see her that's the only thing Mm. like but he doesn't even get to use the airline miles for it because they say it's going to take a month for him to get it so he's just like well you know i'm going in the hole and so i'm eating it that's okay yeah it's so it's a preview of his howard ratner role just (laughs) the
2: the reason i looked this up originally too is because the brand is healthy choice which is a real brand and i was like they why would they sign off on like making a mistake in a movie and it's because it was healthy choice in real life wow they owned up to it it's really funny um,
1: let's see what else we can say before we wrap this baby up.
0: Uh, real quick, we did call the little piano thing a harpsichord earlier. It is a harmonium. Harmonium. Just okay. want to get that corrected. Oh yeah. The opening scene.
1: Yeah. So right before this uh harpsichord is dropped off, there is a harmonium, massive... not a harpsichord. <laughs> harmonium, sorry. <laughs> There's a massive fucking car crash outside this guy's uh job. And it's not explained at all. It's just like this elaborate car stunt that looked fucking real. That was not CGI. They really flipped a car and it has no
0: connection. And the taxi just drops back right in front of him, puts a harmonium on the ground and just
1: drives away. So, right off the top of the movie, you're like, oh, okay, this is gonna be something i've never seen before it's already
2: (laughs) fantastical yeah it's
1: already yeah it's already a dream and i think that it's also pta letting you know like don't read too much into it and don't try to dig into every little thing
2: that's yeah i think you're dead right because he in in magnolia he waits so long for the the frogs to start running and it starts With an (laughs) insane thing. Like it starts with something that puts you on your heels. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, just, just wait. Like this is going to be a weird one front to back.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the actual first, first frame is him
2: just in. Yeah. Him on the phone, figuring out the frequent flyers. That
1: wide, wide shot of the empty office. And that juxtaposed with the very end of the movie, which is them embracing together. You get that full Mm -hmm. sort of uh, arc there of, lonely guy by himself in the tiny in the in the corner of the frame and then this like beautiful yeah, close real up uh, real
0: first and final frames moment shout out to the our fir- guy <laughs> yeah to
1: uh, jacob sweeney of the of the first and final frames this one is one of the all-timers especially because of that final
0: moment i really love that last scene between yeah. the two i well, first of all i it happens earlier on but when he's trying to find her apartment and he's like panicked and can't like just running around the apartment unable to find her actual like room yeah. is great but then at the very end, the way that pays off. And he's like explaining everything, which sex life. every other normal person on this world would be like, you're weird, please. Yeah. I never want to see you again. She's just like, okay. And then they well, embrace, she's like, you left me alone in the hospital. Yeah. Which that's the only thing. That- yeah. Which I was like,
1: oh, okay. So are we going to get a more realistic ending here with her yeah. realizing how shitty he is? But, that no, they embrace, yeah. they
2: kiss. It's I, I beautiful. mean, I loved her performance so much in that scene specifically because that's what you would expect. But if you just watch her in that scene, you're like, no, she's in, she's totally in.
0: Also, so we have to also talk going back to the timeline of this movie. So they get in the car crash and everything after they come home sandler gets so mad that he flies to utah Mm -hmm. uh screams at psh and then comes back and goes to the hospital assuming that she's just like still there it it has to have been like several days at this point no she got
1: she went home dude like
0: she had like a little cut on her head it was fine we sent her home like 30 minutes later it's it's fantastical he still has the fucking (laughs) phone in utah like it's It's it's
2: it's nonsense it's yeah it's so so good so i think all in
1: all Sandler is the reason why this movie soars you know I think that the idea of writing a movie specifically for him Mm -hmm. is a stroke of genius and to have the role incorporate so much of what people knew about him it's not like what's another comedic actor who did a like um like a jim carrey Carrey. in eternal sunshine there's nothing in that performance that is reminiscent of like ace ventura or anything like that it's a completely different uh i mean the guy can fucking act but it's just so different this incorporates so much of what people knew and loved about sandler up until that point and just added so much depth to it and show that, like, he's not just this crazy, funny guy. He can actually fucking mm-hmm. act. Yeah, he acted the shit. Out
0: also, of uh, Eternal Sunshine, very uh, great mix of score between manic music and soaring music, and mm-hmm. also done by John Breon. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Love to hear it. This did get Sandler a Golden
2: Globe nomination.
0: Got globe. No love at the Oscars. It did. I know PTA won Can, I believe, for yeah. best
2: director. Yeah, and it was nominated for the Palme d'Or, but yeah. I didn't get it. Bleh. Dua. Dua. D. Uh, but yeah, this it's just a lovely little movie. It's so quick. If if it's so watchable, like I almost yeah. just
0: rewatched it again, like a couple days later. If
2: if early PTA is a little daunting for you to dive into, then just throw this one on. It's a fucking trip. It's <laughs> an absolute trip. I'm I'm on
1: Letterboxd right now, and I'm curious to see if anybody has built a 90 minute club. Um, oh I, i'm sure millions of people have all right here's a couple 12 angry men
0: mm-hmm.
1: Air, airplane hell yes don't think twice good movie oh yeah um eighth grade hell yeah is eighth grade nine
0: minutes? well i mean th- is it it's 94 94 yeah this is 95 minutes. well we're counting I, credits i right am on. seeing ladybird I Paddington. am in curious. Uh, I want to get the criteria now because there's also apparently a bunch of deleted scenes on there. So I do kind of want to get that just to see if there's any cut. like big nuggets in those deleted scenes.
1: Nothing, nothing like a 90 minute movie. You know, I mean, I love me some
0: some epics, some three and a half hour Scorsese boys. Oh, I mean, but... if we ever do the master review on this podcast, get ready for a three hour act. Uh, episode of this podcast. I think we
1: should. We might as well do all the PTAs. Hey, I'm
0: here for it.
1: (laughs) So we would, so okay, let's see. So we did three so we can,
0: I'll you know what? I I don't know if you guys have seen Heart Eight. I'll say right now that we can skip Heart Eight. Um PTA actively really did not like that movie. I actually think that's pretty good. There's some good nuggets of PTA in there, but that's a movie that he did not write Uh, It got really taken away from him by the studio because he wanted to take it in a lot, a much darker place. And Um, I I think he
1: probably considers Boogie Nights his real. Yeah,
0: there is some like I said, there's some good stuff. He establishes that relationship with John C. Riley and Hard Eight. John C. Riley is really, really good in that film. So if we're counting out hard Eight, and if we're counting out phantom
1: thread which we reviewed very yeah. early days on the pod Next we're is. at the 3 we're so we've done 3 we would need to do 3 more which are there will be blood the master and inherent vice
2: man that's so. man i'd hate to watch those <laughs> <laughs>
1: so really hard, to see those again hard sell here sure. there's no other new movies coming out i am developing my um pandemic plan to go see Tenet. so i may not survive did you order your hazmat suit yet i heard that they're on back order they are on back order they okay. might not come in before the movie comes uh, yeah out.
2: i noticed you were building something in the other room that looks a lot like invisible man yeah <laughs> like that suit like you don't even want people to see you yeah i don't know if that will actually protect me from actually the i think that
0: might make it worse because people would just be like cool i'm being socially distant And they start like sneezing and coughing everywhere they're right next to you well you're gonna go to the projection room is that right yes <laughs> yes from
2: there
1: yeah all right well i think we can wrap it up there check out punch drunk love and let us know your thoughts at we bought a mic on twitter and we bought a mic at gmail.com stay tuned for what's coming next um it's already july next week so yeah. summer
0: is here and the coronavirus is gone i'm just saying my pick it <laughs> trolls number one at the box office for the movie wager is looking great right now oh man r.i.p the summer movie actually wager. well at number two i had jurassic park which actually is the highest grossing film in the country right now for, as far as movie theaters drive-in. because of drive-ins
1: i guess i think number two i think number
0: one is jurassic park and number two is et it's two spielberg so for for two weeks from now i'm gonna go ahead and
2: put all my money on jaws winning
0: (laughs) (laughs) call me that's a good call that's a good that's
1: a good one are there any like other king of staten island type
0: releases coming on pvod i mean there's some good indie stuff that's coming out nothing really super big because now at this point a lot of studios are just like fuck. It, I guess we'll just wait two more months and then put our stuff out hey, in a movie theater.
2: Fortnite is screening three different Chris yeah. Nolan films. In so
0: full? yeah, so Mother I mean, fuck. where are you at? I don't know what you're doing Friday night, but at uh, eight p.m. they are playing Inception. Yeah. On Fortnite. Has, I can't wait for uh, people to just like build walls around so you like can't even see the yeah.
2: screen. Chris Nolan, like he is preemptively rolling in his
0: grave. <laughs> Like he's not even dead yet, but he's rolling it in a grave. I right guaranteed now. this was something like Universal was like, look, OK, we'll let you open up theaters, but you have yeah. to let us do this because this movie is not going to make shit on like the first couple of weeks that it's open.
1: So I was actually thinking about that the other day, how we're, we might have a situation where like the the opening box office for Tenant is like scraps and then it grows and grows and grows
2: over the course of like two three months the way that movies used to right where they would sit for a while and then pick up
1: yeah especially if you have like la and new york not really opening its theaters until like august
0: yeah well let's see because i mean right now it's the only movies that are scheduled to come out in movie theaters in the next two months at least big studio movies are tenet mulan and there's one other big one that I am missing. Um, um, you know, if another
2: Mark Wahlberg like patriotism movie came out, I bet it would do gangbusters because those are the people that mm-hmm. would actually go to a theater because they don't think the virus is real. <laughs> the people who like those fucking movies. There is when God's Not Dead three coming out. Yeah, there
1: is a Russell Crowe. Uh, road rage yep. movie. Oh, Christ. Coming out.
0: That's actually hinge. So. Unhinged. fun fact now that Tenet has moved back two weeks unhinged is actually going to be the movie to the new movie to open up theaters because huh. that's set to come out the week they wanted to put that in the week after Tenet to like yeah maybe get some i hope, over, I hope that over that over at least gets do. like a
2: line in the Look. history books
1: <laughs> i that movie for real, i the only movie i am going to go see in a theater is Tenet.
0: Like Dude, that's the only
1: no fuck it i i'm not i can't I, I don't want to code with you at all i i will die for chris nolan and i will say sir i salute you as i sink into the depths of the virus <laughs> because like i saw that of corona <laughs> i saw Tenet, damn it like quick hey, maybe look chris nolan is a very talented filmmaker oh, maybe no. tenant is the cure To the virus because when people see tenet, they will travel back in time to when the virus wasn't in existence, and then the entire timeline of reality will shift into itself and then time will start moving in the opposite direction of when the fire so 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 on that note i think i
0: think it's time to close the podcast now (laughs) at this point i think we've have been recording for too long (laughs) taking a turn here all right thanks for listening uh see you next week bye-bye bye